Guardian Unlimited. Lewis Hamilton fails to finish the Chinese Grand Prix, but Kimi Räikkönen wins it with Fernando Alonso second. That means that the championship is now going to run to the final round at Interlagos in Brazil. This extraordinary season in round 16 of 17 continues to amaze, confound, confuse and delight. Hello again, it's Morris Hamilton speaking to you from Shanghai. At the end of the Chinese Grand Prix, a race where really a lot of people thought that Lewis Hamilton with the 12-point lead he had in the, in the World Championship was about to wrap up the title. But no, Formula One came along and bit him and McLaren team on the backside. And I've got Ian Phillips, Business Affairs Manager of Spiker with me here uh, on the uh, Formula One show on Guardian Unlimited. Uh, welcome, Ian. And um, wh where do we start with this one? I mean, wh what was your take on all that? It seemed, uh, without going into detail too much of the race just yet, but it seemed that McLaren and Lewis Hamilton made a mistake. I think that probably is the case, Boris. I'm, I'm still can't quite get over it. I'm actually trying to think how many tickets can I buy to uh, South London or Europe to Sao Paulo and be able to flog them on to the people who are going to be told tomorrow you've got to be at that race because they weren't expected to go. They were expecting the championship to be over. Um, I think we all were. Um, I didn't really. I mean, you've got to say at the end of the day, you saw for two or three laps that Hamilton was in trouble. Um, and he wasn't called in. He was going to have to come in to change his tyres anyway, as far as I can I could see. Um, and they didn't call him in. And when he, he came in, he had to come in. The, the state of his tyres was such that actually he couldn't go around a corner at 70 miles an hour. Yes, just, just to, to recap on what actually happened, uh, Lewis Hamilton took a tremendous pole position yesterday in qualifying when he had been really struggling a little bit. He'd been distracted on a Friday over an issue uh, relating back to the previous race in uh, Japan, which we'll come to in a minute. But he, put, he gathered it all together for qualifying. Excellent pole position, that which put him ahead of uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Felipe Massa in the Ferraris with a very disgruntled Fernando Alonso fourth. The race started in... Uh, not as bad as Fuji, but wet conditions, certainly enough to have uh, everybody in the field put on wet weather tyres. And the question was going to be, when the track dries out, when the line starts to dry out, when do you stop the change to dry weather tyres? Can you make this fit in with a pit stop window? They went through the first pit stop phase. It was still wet enough to keep the same set of dry weather tyres on. But as they headed towards the second pit stop window, the track was definitely drying. Some of the back markers were putting dry weather tyres on and immediately delivering fastest laps. But as Ian says, on top of that, uh, Lewis Hamilton, who had a lead of eight seconds, it was really dwindling away. And you could see, Ian, that the car was sliding around, his rear tyres had gone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're right, the, the conditions were incredibly tricky. Yes, it was right to start on wet tyres, but, you know, our information, and we took a gamble where we are right, right at the back, was actually it was going to be torrential within two or three minutes of the start. We actually started our guys on heavy wets in, ante in anticipation of that. The, the conditions were absolutely right for the, what we call the intermediate tyres, the, the, you know, the not-so-wet tyres, and, and that, that was absolutely the, the right decision to take. They got through the first window, OK, Raikkonen put a bit of pressure on, um, Raikkonen in second place in the, in the Ferrari. When Lewis was in the pits, he threw in a couple of fastest laps, but that was actually an indication of what the track was doing. Um, but 
And I think when when everything sorted itself out, what was about four seconds between them, it had previously been eight, but four seconds was manageable. Lewis was was in control. I, I thought it was a great pole position yesterday. Really, really, he timed it absolutely perfectly. And, you know, the sulky Spaniard <laughs> threw his toys out of the cot again. Uh, but I thought to me, uh, to me, that was a great, great lap by yesterday by Lewis. And he was so in command today, it appeared. Somehow or another, that didn't register what was happening. And you've got to say, he's driving a car and he's, he's got to be able, to, he should have the ultimate call, I've got to come in. But all his guys, team guys, are looking at data. Data, what other cars are doing, where they are on the track, and what the lap times are. And they had enough margin in hand to have made a call. What were they hanging out for? Listen, we had a brief flurry of rain, but for cars as good as that and drivers as good as, as he is, that brief, brief flurry of rain, it sent one or two of us at the back scurrying for wet tyres for three laps, but it never actually got wet. They were, everybody was absolutely fine. And I think McLaren just misjudged it. Perhaps they were celebrating too early. Well, there was, uh, we had notification in the commentary box saying that there was rain due in about 10 minutes. And I think maybe McLaren were waiting for that. I mean, did you get that notification of that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, gamblers that we are, we brought them in, to, right, we're ready for it. Never, to be honest, it didn't really come. It, because, it didn't materialise. Because it seems, I mean, McLaren's argument is that they were waiting for that and waiting and waiting, uh, and it didn't actually come. But that does not get away from the fact that Hamilton, his pace dropped so dramatically that clearly he had a problem with the uh, the rear tyres on his car and it just uh, they weren't working. Yeah, and, and the, the, what is unfathomable, really, is the fact that McLaren didn't need to take any risks. They didn't need to win the race. Essentially, as long as Lewis finished in the top three or four, the championship was going to be in the bag. Nobody needed to go to Sao Paulo. Uh, if he was, as long as he was in front of Alonso and a, a place or two behind Raikkonen, it was all over. Game over. He did not have to physically win the race. I, you, you probably know better than me where he did have to finish to make absolutely certain of it. But uh, certainly if he was in the top three or four, and he was never going to be out of the top three or four, given normal circumstances, then it was in the bag. Why take a risk? Can we put uh, Lewis Hamilton's performance when perhaps he was arguably pushing too hard early on in the wet weather tower on a dry drying track you could see him going for the for the wet wetter parts of the track but was he perhaps pushing too hard and should he have just come in anyway I mean you see I suppose we have to say and remind ourselves again Ian it's his first season he won't have raced on a wet weather tower on a drying track in Formula One before so he has really learned a lot today but surely I think going back to your point just before that surely the team should have been keeping him advised and brought him in they could see he was struggling we could see he was struggling yeah, I think if we could, they, they, they knew probably 10 minutes before, before we did. I, I think it has to be down to the team. At, at, at the end of the day, they, they knew what they had to do in this race to button up the championship. And they'll be really kicking themselves that they didn't. You're right, Lewis is a rookie, we know that. He's driven fantastically well all year. It's going to come down to the fact that, yes, he made a mistake coming into the pits and, and beats the car. Um, but... I think he shouldn't have been put in that position by the team. They could have pulled him in two, three laps earlier, gone through the motions, even if he'd have finished second. I know he wants to win the, win the race and win the championship in style, but the pressure they put on themselves now, going into Sao Paulo in two weeks' time, uh, 
is great for us to watch in public, but uh, Jesus, they're going to have a few sleepless nights. What did you make of the incident? Because uh, just to, to recap on what happened, uh, uh, Kimi Raikkonen actually got past uh, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis was struggling so badly, as I said, on, on the tyres. And coming into the pits, I mean, the, he didn't go off the road on the track itself. It was actually a left-hander, a tight left-hander leading into the pit lane. And it appeared he arrived in too quickly. I think he was partially unsighted by our Toyota ahead of him. Nonetheless, he's been in and out of those pits long, more than enough to know where the tight left-hander at the beginning of the pit lane entrance is and it appeared he just was too quick and uh, then to our utter amazement there's a gravel trap on the outside of it and he got stuck in it yeah i mean it it, it is amazing I, you know he he knows that pit lane like the back of his hand uh, you know yes he was tucked behind the toyota as he as he went into the escape road or to the pit lane but he knew he was going to do that he i don't think it was a late call or anything like that it was it was a misjudgment uh, he couldn't get around the corner he got it as you say into the gravel trap and how many pit lane entrances have gravel traps in them. Um, I mean, that's a novelty in itself, isn't it? Um, but, you know, he got stuck in there. I was really surprised he couldn't drive, him, drive himself out. But then we see him sitting there and he's waving and thoughts go back to Nürburgring when the crane arrived and lifted him back onto the track. That's since been banned. Um, and then you get television shots of the McLaren people shouting, push, push. <laughs> uh, it was gone. The moment, the moment was gone. He wasn't going to be helped back onto the track. That's 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 for sure. It will go down as Lewis's mistake. Um, listen, if it's it's really the only racing mistake he's made all year, um, it may be the most costly one of his entire career. Uh, who knows? Two weeks time will tell us. Well, indeed, uh, there were four marshals that uh, went to his aid, actually, but even they couldn't get it out. And I think it's slightly ironic, Ian, that during Friday's practice, you and I were watching uh, the afternoon session and Lewis ran wide and went across some gravel and gently motored out of it. And we were both making the comment, now, not many drivers could do that. No. But, but unfortunately, he couldn't do it. I think he was so surprised by the whole thing of ending up in the gravel trap when help was at hand. It was literally seconds away down the end of the pit lane. And the car just, it looked all right to start with, but it, it it was just beached, he just gave it too much welly and the rear wheel spun and that was it. I suppose just, you can imagine he was just overcome with, well, the clear clear thinking had gone. Yeah, I think so. He was probably talking to the to his engineers at the time about, you know, what's, what tyres they were going to put on, if they needed any adjustments to be made to, to the car. They were probably saying, don't forget speed limiter, speed limiter, and all the other things that go on, the conversations between engineer and the driver as you're on your way into, into the garage. And, you know, the fact that the back got away from him and the car slipped off the track. He wasn't concentrating at the end of the day. That's what you've got to put it down to. He, like all great sportsmen, I, I am convinced he is a great sportsman, was actually thinking of his first corner out of the pits, not his corner coming into the pits. You know, he, he, he's, his thinking in everything that he does is so way ahead of himself. And, and this time it called him, called him out. Morris, we'll go back to it again. It's his first year, um, and it really it's his first mistake. It's horrendously public, and let's hope it doesn't cost him the championship because I don't know about you, but I want to see a rookie win, win the championship. I really want to see this guy walk away as champion. 
Okay, if it, if it wasn't his mistake, Ian, let me just go back to the team for a second. If you recall, before he, he went off the road, you could see the right rear tyre. It looked like it was going away. It looked like part of the canvas was showing. And yet it seemed to me when uh, Hamilton started to head towards the pits, for an, what to me was an inevitable stop, the team weren't ready. They were still getting stuff out of the garage. I found the whole thing very strange because we saw it on telly. We could see the white line on the tyre. We thought, he's got to come in. And we looked down the pit lane and they weren't coming out. I, you know, again, I think more questions have to be asked of the team than they do of the driver in this instance. Yeah, I mean, again, does it go back to the fact that we know we're going to sew up the championship today and it's Lewis that's in charge and don't worry, we've got everything under control. You have to say, well, perhaps it was a bit of complacency slipped in there right at the last minute and it caught him out big time. I mean, let's face it, they've had a very, very tough time, that, that team, for one reason or another, uh, over the past three or four months. And they got huge, huge personality problems with the, with, with the other driver. You know everybody in that team wants Lewis to win the championship. I think they wanted to button it up today, go away, and they could go to Brazil in two weeks' time and just really enjoy themselves. And, you know, it's fallen apart from them. Just everybody just wasn't quite on the ball. Were they celebrating too soon? So Lewis Hamilton drops out of the race, but already by that stage, of course, Kimi Räikkönen has taken the lead. He started from the front row alongside the McLaren. He's been having a terrific second half of the season, well, second two-thirds of the season, in, hasn't he? Uh, and uh, this was a very timely result. Drove immaculately, really pushed on. He was the only one who was going to take the fight to Lewis Hamilton. Thoroughly deserved this win, and it keeps him in the frame. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, we've, we've been saying it was Nürburgring, Morris. That was, to me, was the turning point. And, we, you know, we keep coming back to it because he keeps... He is the one man who's almost come from nowhere, if you like. He's had a bit of a sorry start to the year. It, just, it wasn't happening for him. But once it clicked, the guys really looked the, the class that he's... And there's a maturity in there that we never saw in his time at, at McLaren or, or everywhere else. He's really settled into that. Great performance in qualifying yesterday. Get on the front row. You know, a very, very outside shot at, at the championship. He knew he, had to, he knew he had to really start alongside Hamilton. He did. Drove a great race. Hamilton's pace early on. Was it was was impressive? He pulled out eight seconds in ten laps or something like that. Perhaps it was too impressive. Kimi sat there. He looked after everything. He never looked in one ounce of trouble um, all through the race. Great win. Did I didn't see him put a foot wrong. He dealt he dealt with absolutely everything, um, and nobody else was a threat to him. Those those two guys are a class apart right right now. I know there is another championship challenger that we'll talk about in in a moment, but to me. There's, it should only be between two people, and that's Hamilton and Raikkonen. Well, I'll tell you how good he was, Ian. Uh, he was able to disguise the fact that he was actually having a problem uh, with his front tyres when he put the dry tyres on. Because the track had been washed clean of rubber, uh, he was getting graining in the front tyres, and he had to wait a long time for the graining to go away. Yet he was incredibly patient. He didn't overreact. He just did exactly the right job. So it shows this maturity from experience. He's had 13 previous wins. He's been close to the championship before a couple of times. And it, you know, it's starting to look as if it might come good for him, amazingly. Yeah, and, and he looks champion material. I don't think he ever quite did at McLaren when he when he was fast. You know, I know the car was fragile, but he made quite a lot of mistakes as well. And, and the way he's driven the last two thirds of, of this year, he he looks real champion material. And you know, I saw him smile on the podium. I don't know about you, but you know, we always talk about the Ice Man, and there's no emotion. There certainly was a, was a bit today. I didn't know he'd had that trouble. But then you see, he'd have talked that through with his team. 
he'd have said, I've got graining with the front tyres. They'd have told him what to do, talked him through it. And, you know, Ferrari, it was a very good performance. Now, the other championship contender, as we know, of course, is Fernando Alonso. And you were talking about Kimi smiling on the podium. So was Alonso. A bit of a different uh, state he was in compared to 24 hours before <laughs> when he finished qualifying in fourth place, got out of his car, threw his helmet across the McLaren garage and hit the wall, went back to the McLaren offices and punched a door off his hinges. So convinced was the reigning world champion that McLaren were doing him in that uh, the car suddenly felt strange in the final part of qualifying. He says that uh, all they were able to find afterwards was the tyre pressures were a bit high the innuendo here being that the McLaren team are not treating him fairly which I think is ridiculous of all the teams in this pit lane the one team that bends over backwards to give a fair share to both drivers is McLaren but nonetheless very miserable very unhappy but here he is finishing second today keeping himself in the frame so I, I don't know what sort of frame of mind he's going to go to Brazil in but he's still a very dangerous guy from a championship point of view from Hamilton Oh, yes, he, he is. I noticed him smiling too, but he was smiling up into the sky, Maurice, not at cheering uh, teammates uh, down in the pit lane, I think. Um, yeah, he hung on in there. I think he feels terribly isolated in, in McLaren right now. Obviously, he feels that he should be world champion. And, you know, he is well within the shout of getting a hat-trick of world championships. There's not too many people have, have done that. And remember, you know, when he won his first one two years ago, he was the youngest world champion ever. So, you know, that might change in, in two years' time. Yeah, he's had a great record. And for whatever reason, it hasn't worked on a personal level for him at McLaren. But he does get in there and drive the car. He, he wasn't really a threat today, you have to say. He, he qualified fourth for whatever reason. And I agree with you. I don't think McLaren would have sabotaged uh, his chances at all, particularly after everything that's gone on in the last few weeks. I mean, listen, there's 65, 70 people in the, in the garage there. People can make mistakes. And the thing is, half, half a pound of tyre pressure can make a huge amount of difference. But, you know, I... I I don't think he really thinks he was sabotaged. It didn't come together for him. That's, you know, it happens. Um, you know, but he didn't look a threat, did he? I mean, even at the start of the race, he lurked behind the two Ferraris and it was going nowhere, kind of resigned performance. Yes, absolutely. What happened at the start was he started from fourth in the grid, uh, tried to take Felipe Massa, was wheel to wheel with him in the first couple of corners, but Massa got the place back and then Alonso was stuck there, really, as you rightly say didn't have the pace after that and that really cost him any chance of having a go at Raikkonen. He got close-ish about eight seconds or so towards the end but the damage had been done earlier on. If you like it, it had been done during qualifying uh, when it didn't quite work out with for Alonso for whatever reason. Now, disappointed as Lewis Hamilton obviously would be after a day like today when he thought he had a chance of winning the championship and it all turned so horribly wrong for him. Uh, I would say, Ian, that the one thing Lewis could do is uh, take a little look at Sebastian Vettel, who uh, seven days ago in Fuji was in tears because he was heading for a podium position in the Toro Rosso and he took not only took himself out, but he took his sort of semi-teammate, uh, Mark Webber, in, in the Red Bull car, the sister car, out of the race and he was devastated by that. But hey, look what happened here. He comes here to China. He qualifies 12th, then he gets a five-place penalty for blocking somebody inadvertently, he says, uh, during qualifying. He starts the race from 17th on the grid. By the end of the first lap, he's 12th. He then passes a couple of people, including Jarno Trulli, Hickey Kubelainen. And when all, when all settles down, tyres are changed, pit stops made, he finishes fourth. Phenomenal performance. Yeah, great, great, great performance. I, I thought he was superb 
in uh, in Japan last last week. Yeah, schoolboy error at, at the end of the day, but we know conditions were very very confusing on that day, and you know. Yes, he took out his twin sister car, I would say, Morris. It's a, a little bit closer than just sisters. Um, um, yeah, un unfortunate, but he was heading for a podium there. Great, great drive today. Great teamwork by Toro Rosso. They're, they're next to us in uh, Spiker in the, in the pit lane. They're a good little team. Uh, good guys, been around a long time. They, they made all the right calls today and they thoroughly deserve everything that they've got. And listen, let's keep an eye on, on Vettel. Remember he scored, he made his debut in Indianapolis this year, American Grand Prix, scored a point. BMW didn't think he was part of their future, shipped him off down to Toro Rosso. I tell you what, in a year's time, they might be regretting that. You've been very fairy in here because with, uh, with Tony Oliuzzi finishing sixth, Toro Rosso have actually got ahead of Spiker, I think, in the championship, but you didn't care to mention that. Probably not. <laughs> well, no, it's probably cost us about 15 million, Morris, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> can't cry about it, can we? <laughs> no, listen, um, we we were straight round to shake their hands. We, we got some courtroom battles uh, coming up over the next uh, few months but you know for two hours on a Sunday this is uh, this is sport they, they did a great job and if we'd have had the same result they'd have been around to see us and talking about sport and good driving Jensen Button finished fifth now when the race was really wet at the start the track very wet he was going nowhere the Honda looked totally dreadful but it was quite clear that what was going on here was that because of the rules they say that you must set your car up at the start of qualifying for the way you're going to have it in the race therefore you've got to double guess what the weather's going to be like and you have to either go for a dry setting and hope it's dry or a wet setting or somewhere between the two clearly this car was in a dry setting it was terrible in the wet he was everybody was passing him but look he came stonking to the field fastest lap after fastest lap one of the first guys to get onto dry tires big gamble but it paid off and he finished fifth place good drive yeah it was yeah um, re really good to see I mean he was a bit unlucky wasn't he last last week because he was he had a good qualifying was it good qualifying yes. he had in, in, in Japan and uh, it, you know the thing is Jensen what a hor horrible horrible season that uh, that that he's had but I think it, it goes to show the spirit of the man he you know he hasn't given up his teammate has I mean he's just absolutely nowhere bank the money thank you very much car's no good I'm not going to bother you know Jensen has finally put them in front of Aguri Suzuki's little um, Honda outfit running their last year's car you know finally the works team has got more points than uh, than Aguri's outfit and that is to be honest it's down to Jensen and Jensen alone. What, what the Honda team have done this year is an absolute disgrace, given their facilities and the, the people they've had. And I think they'd actually say so themselves. It's shambolic. Uh, and I think they should really look after Jensen for the way he's carried them through. And that was great, great performance by him today, because he could have just said, forget it, park it. Good, it's a good example, isn't it, of uh, the up and down nature of Formula One, the way you can never really totally rely on anything. Now, normally at this point in the Formula One programme, we'd be talking about the progress of BMW, finishing third or fourth or fifth, something like that. But this weekend, they had a nightmare. The car just didn't work very well. We saw Nick Heidfeld have two gearbox problems on Friday. He got very little running in. He didn't actually get the car sorted until halfway through qualifying yesterday, which is most unlike them. Heidfeld eventually struggles into seventh place, gets two points but hey wait a minute what about Robert Kubica leading the race has not had a single mechanical failure this year and when does he get it he gets it when he's in front of the race so talk about a bad weekend for BMW yeah I can sympathize with him because we at Spike had turned up here thinking 
we'd probably be all right around here. Couldn't get the car to work at all, all weekend, not in any configuration at all. Curious track, don't know, don't know why. You'd think it's somewhere similar to the last two Spa and Fuji that we've been to, an amalgamation of the two, and you pretty much the same sort of settings that you'd had would work here. They didn't, for whatever reason. And, you know, yeah, BMW were having a really tough time. But, yeah, I must admit, I saw Kibitzer in the lead. I thought, well, Spike have led six laps during the course of this season. And uh, we don't want anybody else overtaking us because we we're going to tell you the most how successful we've been in terms of laps led this this year in a press release in a couple of weeks' time. And I thought, oh no, BMW is going to shuffle us down the order a bit. <laughs> I did smile when he pulled off, but, <laughs> but that's personal. That's personal. Listen, Kubica, we will never ever forget that horrifying shunt that he had in 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 Canada. He missed one race. He's come back, and he's come back really really strong. And okay. Uh, BMW's mechanical record is pretty good, I have, have to say, in, in the races. And today it was his turn for a bit of bad luck. It's, it's a shame, but at least he can say he's led a race. You mentioned there, Ian, just how good it was to get on with the racing because we've had a lot of politicking this year. Um, bit of politicking we didn't didn't expect I have to say came when we arrived here in China and uh, the stewards announced or we, we we it was leaked we didn't actually announce this it was leaked that the stewards wanted to look at Lewis Hamilton's driving behind the safety car seven days before a few days before in Fuji and it took 24 hours for them to suddenly to finally get Lewis Hamilton in look at the videos and then declare what we thought would probably happen anyway that he was innocent of all charges but that was very destabilizing for him and also on top of that it wasn't good for the image of Formula One because back in the United Kingdom the newspapers were getting a bit carried away with the lack of information and saying about Hamilton being banned from a race what a shambles Formula One is what was your take on all of that? Uh, very amateurishly handled uh, Morris to, to be honest I mean it's not too often that uh, five days after event the stewards suddenly start revisiting something that happened in another circuit. For a start, it's not the same set of stewards. that We have now have one chief steward who comes to every race, but his two companions are, are, are different week, week to week. So, you know, asking um, people to look at something that happened at, at the previous weekend, I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't hit anybody. Uh, he was having a difficult time behind the pace car because the pace car necessarily because of how Fuji was and how wet it was couldn't go very fast at certain parts of, of the circuit and a Formula One car is not an easy it's not designed to be to run at 30 kilometers behind a bloody old Mercedes saloon car um, and you know life life was tough you know you're not allowed to overtake it you got a crowd Lewis was being kind of crowded at, at, at the time. There was Weber, there was Vettel. Everybody was having to go slower than the cars really can do. And they were fanning out across the track. I actually don't think Lewis, at this particular time, did anything wrong. Again, we go back to the fact he was a rookie leading the race uh, in difficult conditions. He'd started behind a pace car. He'd never done that before. He handled the thing pretty well. And, from a personal point of view, I thought it was entirely unnecessary, if not a little bit unprecedented, that people, stewards, should start looking at what went on um, five, five days later. If 
I hadn't been around as long as I have, Boris. I might have thought that somebody wanted to destabilise um, um, the McLaren team and, and what was going on. Listen, Formula One is the winner from what Lewis Hamilton has done this year. Whether he wins the championship or not, Formula One is the winner. The business of Formula One, the sport of Formula One is a winner. Formula One hasn't, or the administrators of Formula One have not done the sport any favours, uh, to be honest, with the way they've conducted themselves. That's a, that's a personal point of view, but um, you know everything could have been handled a lot, lot better than than it has been. We have things called spin doctors in the paddock now. Apparently, that's, that's an official job title, Morris. Did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> we, we can't have those, surely. <laughs> well, I'm not sure there's a place for them, uh, to be honest. You know, this is big business. We, as probably the smallest team in Formula One, you know, are turning over 85, 90 million dollars. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of money to be uh, to be playing around with, and you know the the McLaren and Ferrari end is an awful lot more, four, five times that that amount of money, and um, you know I I would just expect a little bit more professionalism than than we've actually seen. I thought it, but again I have to say I thought Hamilton and McLaren conducted themselves pretty well. Well, the final word in that, I think, Ian, has to be a bulletin we received just before the start of this race here in China, with the stewards advising us that they had amended the rules now. If it's in very heavy rain behind the safety car, drivers now have to be 10 uh, car lengths behind, not five, much more realistic, which shows what it should have been said and sorted out in the first place. OK, so after the penultimate round in the championship here in Shanghai, the championship table looks like this. It says Lewis Hamilton, 107 points, Fernando Alonso, 103, and Kimi Raikkonen's fifth win of the season puts him on 100 points. So that's the way it is going into the final round in two weeks' time at Interlagos in Brazil. It's all to play for. A win for Hamilton will secure it, but a win for Hamilton is not as guaranteed as I think he and the McLaren team think. Uh, if you want to know what happens, please tune in to the Formula One show. Ian Phillips and I will be there, of course, uh, in Brazil to tell you all the news, to bring you all the gossip, to try and explain what's been going on behind the scenes. But in the meantime, it's Morris Hamilton in Shanghai saying, safe motoring, keep the revs up, and thank you very much for joining us. See you then. Bye. Guardian Unlimited.